Mystery Mondays. 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 Mystery Mondays.
Yeah, um, while me and Drew were doing the, um, the little intro track, feel free, Henry, if you just suddenly feel creative, if you mm-hmm. just want to add anything, okay. you can. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Sometimes Bullwinkle just chimes in with a little something or other. Mm. Um, don't feel obliged to. I'm just letting you know that if you want to, you can. All right. If you suddenly want to go. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds epic, man. Could I start like into that? Oh, it doesn't really fit, does it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it does. So good. Yeah, okay, we'll start with that then. So maybe you can like, yes, do the drum bit for like the first, I don't know, for whatever, and then when you nat- when you naturally feel like it, you can maybe go into some more um more um explorative notes. Um, what are you doing, you crazy thing? going on here? Where is the freaking record uh, option? Um, maybe it's not letting you because it's not a song after. So you might need to. Oh yeah, that's a good. That's a yeah, that's a good point. Just delete it later on. Yeah, I'll do that. Good thinking, Bullwinkle. Thank you. Oh, actually, Thank do you know what? It wasn't even it. It was because I, oh. I hadn't um, deleted a sweeper that was below. Ah, right. So you can't... Um, yeah, anyway, it's fine. Can't record straight into a sweeper. Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so you, yeah, so if um, I'll start, you and uh, you, you do whatever you want, Drew. And then once I feel like this, the beat is like solidly come in, I'll just start laying down the chords, all right? And then I'll lay down some vocals when as well. When you say you'll start, what do you mean? I'll start when, you know, because obviously you were doing that. Do, do, do. Oh, you mean like you'll so, start that? Yeah, so I'll oh, start cool. that. I'll just start recording. Yeah. And obviously we all got to be quiet for, for the, for the yeah. intro. And then, um, yeah, when I naturally feel like it's time, I'll come in with the chords, all right? Ready, everyone?
is coming round again My friend It's coming round again Round again Mystery Mondays Now we're on the radio It's time for us to go to the soaring heights of EAB It's Bullwinkle, Henry, Drew and me Sat in the studio getting ready for a mystery It's Drew's turn, yes it's Drew's turn today It's his turn Drew is balls deep in the synthesizer Thank you my friend I cannot even comprehend The mystical enchantments of those keys Coming my way Like a leaf on the breeze Exploring the mysteries of life when I should be doing the dishes for my wife <laughs> Mystery, mystery Mystery Mondays It's mystery fun days so fun Mystery, mystery Mondays Mystery Mondays Mystery fun days So much fun And we're bringing it again For you Yeah, we're bringing it once more For you Yes, we're bringing these mysteries for you It's time to fade out with some keys from Drew Welcome to Mystery Mondays, everyone. Oh, um, yeah. It's our first Mystery Mondays on air. <gasps> on the radio. Oh, so far. My. I know. I know. That's what everyone around the globe saying right mm. now. We're on the radio. We're on the radio because we made it. The winds yeah. have we're changed. We made it because we're on the radio. Yeah, so um, I thought we'd switch things up a little bit. So we're going to be bringing out Mystery Mondays on DAB as well as on the internet, which means... Um, the only difference is going to be is that we're going to have to watch what we say a little bit more because mm, yeah. usually because <laughs> we only release Mystery Mondays um, on the internet, we can like do naughty stuff like swear. <gasps> but um, not anymore. It's all right. <laughs> Obviously, we are consummate professionals and mm. we are used to doing radio shows, so um, none of that folly here. Mm. Um, we've got a special guest in the studio today, Henry. Thanks for joining us, Henry. Good afternoon. Henry mm. is doing some um, doing some work experience here, essentially, aren't you, Henry? So. Um, 
What have you been doing so far? Um, just audits and stuff. <clears throat> Pretty much lots of numbers. Yeah. <laughs> so a very different experience. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Going into some, um, it's like yin and yang, isn't it? Yeah. We've got opposites. So Numbers. In the company we have opposites. Yeah, so you've got, <laughs> like, yeah, you got like, um, what is it? Is it left or right side of the brain which is supposed to be all like logical numbers? Do you think? Um, is it right is side? It, is it your left side of the brain because it relates to your right side of your body? And like, I think we've spoken about this before. Yeah, and, and, yeah, and then the right side the of your brain is yeah. like the left side of your body. Yeah, and it's more creative. So yeah, you're exploring creative. all sides of your brain, Henry. <laughs> so you've had <laughs> uh, audits, numbers, <laughs> and interpretive song. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, well, I said, welcome to Mystery Mondays, everyone. If it is the first time um, tuning in, then it's a pr- pretty self-explanatory show. Every week, we bring you a different Monday. Different mystery. Different Monday <laughs> on a mystery. Sorry, my brain's just mental. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Um, so, yeah, it's Drew's turn to bring us a mystery this week. Mm. So, Drew, over to you. Oh, can I make a, um, a request? Oh, of course <gasps> you can, sir. Of, oh. um, of some, of some, like, oh. Of some like, maybe oh some, like, pan-pipe mysteries oh. or flute-like oh. pan-pipey mysteries. Say no. Oh, I'll mean, tell you what I'm going to type in. Oh, baby. Peruvian ambiance. Oh, yeah. let's see. Let's, <laughs> let's see. get some Peruvian ambiance yeah. on this. Right. So we're going to get some um, atmospheric music mm. um, in the background done, to it? enhance this experience. Mm. Um, yeah, just also if, if um, it's your first time tuning in. So obviously we start every single week with a different um, song, which is pretty much made up on the spot. Um, I, you know, I've, I've, I just come up with some chords beforehand, um, show them to Drew and mm. ooh, it's but it's all made up on the spot, really. Yeah, yeah a little bit of improvisation. Yeah, the, the lyrics are always 100 percent improvised. Mm. Well, apart from once where I actually did sit down and, and <laughs> write some beforehand, but that was literally that once. was the metal song. One, that was the, yeah, that was the which if you want to listen to that, which was hilarious. Um, you will be able to find that on either our uh, Mystery Mondays Spotify channel or on YouTube on our Pandora's Box channel. Okay. Mm. Yeah, just um, type in Mystery Mondays. You can. We've got about, I think there's about 16, 17 episodes that Whoa. we've done previous to this as yeah. well. So if you, if you like this, you want to check out any, any of the old ones, then Lab head mysteries. over to there. Yeah, and obviously, yeah, it's, a, it's only really recently that we've actually got our own Spotify channel strictly for... Mystery, Mystery Mondays, Mondays. Yeah. so um, it was Drew's, on there. Drew's idea to give us a separate channel because obviously some people might just want to watch the mystery stuff, other people might just want to watch the Pandora's box stuff which is more all-encompassing, so now you can decide, if you mm. just want to follow the mystery mm. stuff, it's nice and neat and tidy, you can just go on Spotify, you can put that on if you're going on a super long drive or something and you can just let the episodes roll. One mystery after another. One mystery at a time. Oh, That's right, baby. Yeah. Right. So, do you want like relaxing Peruvian fleet music? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're not going like dark today. We're going more. Yeah, I reckon this is quite the, nice. This is this is positively mysterious. Oh, nice. I think. Um, maybe. I, don't know. I like how different that is to last week's yeah. axe murderer. Well, <laughs> yeah, like I say, yin and yang, man. Mm. You've got to keep it balanced. Oh. Ah, yes. <laughs> I'm stepping back onto the shores of Lima. In Peru <laughs> for this week's Mystery Monday. So yes, we're talking about this week on Mystery Mondays. We're talking about an architectural, architectural phenomenon Ooh. that spans several different countries across the world. It is called vitrified stonework, and it is one of, uh, and it is a work of ingenuity using technology. Maybe that could go down a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So I'm on it. I'm on it. <laughs> I was just finishing my sip. 
So yeah, it's a work of ingenuity using technology that has since been lost to the human race. Is that the where the stones are so interlocking that you can't oh, fit it's anything? It's part in of it, man. So it's always Whoa. part of a part of, of a wider puzzle, is it? Yeah. Right. So um, mostly the debate surrounds the impressive fort, Inking Fort of Sacsayhuaman. Sacsayhuaman. Of Sacsayhuaman, which isn't Sacsayhuaman. It's Sacsayhuaman, which is what you're thinking about the interlocking stones. And we're going to get into that as a big part of this episode because it's just so intriguing and so cool. Um, if anyone doesn't know what that is, you're going to find out. Nice. So experts today can't ag- agree exactly how the ancients were able to accomplish this feat of engineering. Some have cited alien intervention. Others think it was done through a vast network of mirrors and lenses to concentrate sunlight. The theories just keep growing and getting weirder and weirder. The only thing anyone can agree on for certain is how impressive it is. More on Saxi Huaman later. But first... What is vitrified stonework? So have any of you guys heard of what vitrified stonework is? I have no clue. Is it like dry stone walls? Not quite. It's, um, it's, got, it's to do with walls, um, and it's... it's um, well, we'll get into it right now. So um, vitrification is essentially the process of transforming any substance into glass. It happens when the materials in question so are heated to a point that they are turned into liquid and then rapidly cooled, um, cooling that liquid into a solid. So vitrified stonework then is stonework that um, could only be achieved by superheating rock, mm. usually volcanic basalt, and then rapidly cooling it to achieve the effect of the stones being melted together. That's crazy. This mm. is understandably a massive achievement, but it wasn't impossible uh, with the but it but it wasn't impossible with the technologies of the ancients. Um, there are over 50 examples of vitrified stonework in Scotland. But there's also a few examples found in Ireland and England. There's also examples in Malta, Egypt, Sudan, Iraq and Southeast Asia. We know from radiocarbon dating that the um, forts built in Scotland were made around 700 to 300 BC, right in the middle of the British Iron Age. Melting rocks to serve man's purpose was not a new concept to the ancients um, at all by this time. In fact, in order to produce the forts in Scotland, one would only need to superheat the rock to about 1,100 degrees centigrade. This was well within the technological bounds of the time, sort of. Mm. Sort of, because the reason it's a bit weird is because these rocks uh, were massive. Mm, so right. to, to superheat something to 1,100 degrees, which is pretty easy, it's like a kiln, it's how you yeah, make so you, like, right, you right. think that like, if you was like a blacksmith, say, in a, in, a, um, in a blacksmith's fire, that'd be more achievable. Yeah. You know, super, um, super it's a very something. confined space. It's easy to sort of, um, you know, have, have um, diction over how hot you make that but if it's you're talking about like a boulder that's like several tons yeah man like, you know Whoa. what do you do just like light a fire underneath and it and like it's not gonna this work this is the reason that they say the technology is lost to the human race now because we do not know how they did it because now mm. we can't really build a kiln that's like that big that yeah. huge still like, so probably, it's just one of those mysteries that are lost to time yeah so yeah so going into Whoa. it so like, the problem is most um, most curious uh, most curious ancient um, vitrified examples are found on objects that are so large that they cannot be placed in a furnace. 
The vit vitrification process itself is quite a mystery. A team of chemists on Arthur C. Clarke's mysterious world subjected rock samples from 11 different forts to rigorous chemical analysis. They concluded that the temperatures needed to produce the vit vitrification were up to 1,100 degrees, which we said. Um, simply burning the walls with wood interlaced with stone could not achieve such temperatures. Recent experiments along these lines have had virtually no success at all. So the problem is only exacerbated when you travel to South America. Ooh. South America, baby! Do you mind if I just uh, interject with something quickly? Mm. You know we've been, we've been talking recently because um, we've been watching the House of the Dragon yeah. series, haven't we? So oh. in in the uh, George R.R. R. Martin universe, yeah. So they say, so Dragonstone, which is where at the moment I think it's... Oh no, it's not Daemon Targaryen anymore, is it? It started off in the series, that's where Daemon Targaryen was. King Viserys' brother, but I'm, I'm not sure who's, who's occupied... Oh! Uh, Rhaenyra is mm. occupying it currently, um, the heir to the throne. But yeah, in in um, the Game of Thrones universe, they say that yeah, the the Targaryens would build their castles like that with dragon fire. Mm. Like that dragon fire was anything. So so Dragonstone, the location in in George R R Martin's universe is yeah, that's it's all. Um, what did you say it's called again? Vitrified. Vitrified stone. So it's turned into glass. And that's how that's how they and that's how it's so that's smooth. That's how they explain it in that. Yeah. But obviously, a lot of the things that um, like well, like with a lot of fantasy, George R. R. Martin gets his Ideas inspiration from, from a lot of things. But it's happened, like it's yeah. interesting how he's using fantasy to fill in the gaps. And also, apparently, Old Valyria, which is where all the Targaryens are supposed to have come from before the collapse of Valyria when they moved to Westeros. Apparently, everywhere like that yeah it was mm. all fused. All the stone was fused with dragon. Yeah, dragon. Fire. And it's so cool because I've always been really interested interested in like the, these Peruvian um, art, like artifacts and temples and mm. everything of this stone where it's all like fit together which we'll see in a minute but like I didn't realize it was vitrified so I didn't realize it was like this fused togetherness of the stones mm. it's like I thought it was just they somehow carved it and somehow uh, done it and, and and fit it together like that but it's, it is actually vitrified stone so it was heated beyond this 1100 yeah. degrees which is pretty crazy it's crazy how it seems to be such common practice as well from like yeah, the amount the of different places yeah, that you like, were saying, it seems and that's what I mean. Like there is, this, I didn't realise that there was examples in Scotland and, and around different parts of Asia, Europe, Iraq, and all that. That stuff. is actually very interesting, isn't it? Mm. I think that somebody like in Iran and Scotland mm. and Peru could have all had these insane heating techniques for their, like for three three thousand years ago mm. around that sort of time. It's crazy. Like it was global knowledge, but then that global knowledge still went on to get lost mm. somehow. It reminds me crazy. a little bit of um, you know Greek wildfire. So apparently like, the Byzantines had this, um, and I think this, yeah, again, I think the Game of Thrones they they use um, you know what's it called um, wildfire, and you know they use that in actually the original Game of Thrones series. There's that I think it's. Um, the Stannis Baratheon's army are invading King's Landing. Oh, Do you remember? Yeah, that green stuff. And they use the like, wildfire. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. green fire. And apparently it's like more like a bomb than yeah. it's almost fire because that's how powerful and like like combustible it is. Yeah. Um, so apparently the Greeks actually had, or the Byzantines actually had some, something like that. And when they would go to, to their navy essentially had this um, Greek wildfire and rather than shooting cannons which obviously happened later on like you see like in the napoleonic wars or um or shooting arrows like which was commonplace obviously around that time also they had this greek wildfire and they would with almost like flamethrowers they would shoot out this greek wildfire and set fire to Ships. vessels uh, yeah. but the, apparently it was it was so flammable that um it would set fire to the ocean and so Whoa. like what I mean oh, yeah, what I've I mean is that. it's like yeah, you know it, not set fire to the ocean, you know what I'm saying so have, like, it was burning, so hot yeah. that yeah it would it would 
it, its path yeah it like... would, would be on fire in the ocean yeah so um it was just devastating to their enemies. That's they were crazy. just completely just destroyed. And but Viscous. nobody knows how they did it. Mm. And like people have like history. So it's, it's like a lost liquid. It's like yeah, it's a lost substance. So people um, there like have been like um, like guys that are engineers that are also fascinated in history that have almost like devoted their lives to, to trying to create Greek like wildfire, wildfire, and they have not mm. been able to do it. Another Whoa. thing yeah. which is a bit like that is Roman cement. So Roman cement was so good essentially for lack of a better word that it could dry underwater Whoa. so romans could make walls going right out into rivers or the sea and the cement would dry Still set. Un it was mm. set underwater mm. and people don't know how the romans did that That's so, so there's cool. several instances of these like amazing feats Surely they could, um, where you've actually still got Roman cement, you could like back engineer it or look at the properties of it and see. You'd if, think so, wouldn't you? Do you know you? what I mean? I like, would like see, to see, you'd think that it would be that simple, but they haven't. Yeah. That's crazy, man. Yeah. I think there are still examples of it. You see, like, you know, walls going out into seas in certain places, like in Spain and other places mm, in Europe, mm. but they don't know how they did it. That's crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, so these forts that we're talking about with the crazy stones uh, dot the Peruvian mountainside. Uh, stones hundreds of feet tall are piled up together, seeming to fit together as if they were made to do so. Even with a thousand years of weathering, they still shine like polished glass. The stonework is so skillful, in fact, that you can't slip a sheet of paper between the stones. Pretty crazy. And so here's here's a picture of Sacsayhuaman, which we're going to be talking about today. Sacsayhuaman. Which is like, you can mm. kind of see the stones and how they're all kind of, they're all different shapes. Yeah, you know, that's one like, of the things I was going to say. I find it really interesting how there's no, um, obviously nowadays you would just, uh, a builder would buy a load of bricks. They'd yeah. all be exactly the same size and you build a house. Like, on the one hand, the um, engineering feats obviously is like insane, mm. but it's almost like to me it seems random that what? all the stones are random <laughs> sizes. Well, yeah, like a huge game of Tetris. But, but then there's yeah. lots of people which we'll get into a bit later, like saying that the, they represent certain constellations and things like that. So there is what, the like size yeah, of the stones, yeah, and and the shapes and all of that That's kind really of thing, yeah, mm. which is which you wouldn't really see. But they're saying that because it, it's it really could, neat. And but what also they even say, random. yeah, what they would even say is that it represents a, a language. So like if you deciphered the language of the stones of the shapes, then it would be the way that they. Which is like pretty crazy, but yeah, that's cool for anyone watching on kind of YouTube. Yeah. So how would like that, that be like a language? Uh, we'll get into it. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, I don't know if I'm we'll get into that specifically, but um, yeah. So just another. So uh, it's said that Sacsayhuaman <laughs> was initially built by a pre-Incan civilization called the Kalik. Um, Never heard of them. Then, when the Incas dominated the area, centuries later, they made their capital Cusco, which is the second biggest city in, um, in in Peru, next to it, with the shape of the uh, of a puma's body, leaving Sacsayhuaman as its head. So this is just a, another picture. So you'll see the stones with a man in front, so you can kind of get the get how Whoa. big it is. Like when, when see the mental. dude just like compared to the size of the. So guy. that must be like 20, 30 tons. Yeah. Oh no, like 200 tons. Whoa. Yeah, like, like crazy. Um, what? 200 tons? Yeah, and, and also, what you can also see as well, when this is the picture, so they they say that Cusco is in the shape of a puma. Can you kind of see that yeah. in the yellow there? 100%. Uh -huh. and, um, I mean, the head looks a bit, yeah, bit horsey, sure. but I understand, yeah. So, yeah. Or, or yeah, because they, they think it's I'm a not, puma. I mean, I've been very critical for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's cool that so Sacsayhuaman is actually that part that is the head. So it's like up yeah. in there. And then, and then, yeah, that's Cusco, like, making the body. That's so cool. Um, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about Cusco, because it's like Cusco's an interesting city as well. 
um, and lots of this stonework is found in Cusco as well. Um, so in the ancient Quechua language, the name of this city means navel of the world. Cusco rises 3,400 meters above sea level, and according to official archaeology, the first human settlements date back to around 3,000 years. The whole city seems to have been built according to a plan in the form of a puma, uh, the sacred animal of the Incas, the protector of earthly goods. That's mm. <laughs> in his famous book, Comentarios Rielas de la Incas, one of the first accounts of Inca history and of the Spanish conquest, the writer Garcileso de la Vega wrote in 1609 about the region of Cusco, with dimensions so inconceivable that one would have thought that a magician had directed the construction, that they were the work of demons rather than human beings, Whoa. made of stones so huge and so numerous that, no, uh, that one wonders how the Indians would have been able to achieve them. Do you know what I think is really cool about that as well? So obviously when the Europeans went over to America, um, on at least on face value, we were so much more advanced. So obviously we had guns, they didn't. Um, they didn't even really have like advanced metalworks in terms of like the weapons that the South Americans used were mainly glass, obsidian, uh, yeah, obsidian yeah. and in North America were still a lot of them were, were even using like um, stone in mm -hmm. some cases. Um, so we had like massive navy ships, cannons, guns. Yeah. Um, obviously, would have had much more. I, I guess in terms of how Our we see it, of steel and stuff yep, was and, like more advanced as well. And how, in terms of how we see it, way better literature. We would have had like insane, immense libraries in Europe, which would have been mm. just as impressive as any you'd find today. But then, meanwhile, a Spaniard or or a Brit could have gone to one of these places and been like in complete awe mm. you know but we would have had like massive palaces as i said yeah. in europe like massive cathedrals palaces but still being complete awe. i think that's really fascinating mm. and the, and the fact that they, they would have met the incan people mm. but all of these um when you speak well, pre-incan yeah this is pre-incan so it's like a lost civilization that reminds me a little bit Whoa. of um when Hippocrates asked the Egyptians how they built the pyramids and they said um, they learnt to build the pyramids from uh, a, an older civilization to the west. Mm. That's like just so, <laughs> that's just so ominous, isn't it? Yeah. Like, what, who, which civilization, and to this day, historians don't know what civilization that was. Just some civilization to the west of, of Egypt. Yeah. Atlantis. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, they were Mason, you missed it. Since they knew neither iron nor steel to cut or unpolish the rock, nor oxen or nor wagons to transport them. So it's basically mm. saying like they didn't have anything to do this stuff. They mm. didn't have, they, they, how did they even move the rock? Um, so yeah, and just to rest about Cusco, in the old buildings of Cusco, the, sto um, the stones of green diorite, a particularly hard to work m mineral, are assembled without any type of cement. They, they are crafted so precisely that they adhere perfectly to each other, preventing a credit card from slipping through. It is difficult to think that the Incas, a people who apparently did not possess advanced technologies, it seems that they, didn't, they did not even know the wheel, which is pretty crazy, could have made such extraordinary architectural works and managed to meld stones as if it would have, um, have been a, a question of working the wax working wax, uh, giving it the strangest shapes and developing an ingenious and very solid system of embedding blocks in the shape of a polygon. In addition, this construction technique was more refined uh, than the methods used in the same period in Europe, although the old continent was decidedly more evolved from a scientific and technological point of view, exactly mm. what you just said, mm -hmm. basically. That's, yeah. um, 
When the Spanish colonizers arrived in the area, they knocked down many Inca and Calique constructions to use the materials for their own buildings. But the story was different when they faced the walls of Saxihuaman because the rocks were so big they could not move them at all. And I've been to Cusco and it's pretty weird because you've got like all of these rocks that fit together like this mm. are like basically like the foundations of all the buildings. Mm. So the the um the Cusco city is like a very um, Spanish-looking city, the way that the streets mm. are formed and everything. But basically, they knocked off all the stuff that they could from the top, but the actual basis to the buildings and everything were so huge and so, like, thing that they just, they it would have been too much work to knock them down, mm. so they just built on them. So, like, luckily, we can still now see all this, but they destroyed what they could, mm. but they but they were so, like, mm. they were so big that even the Spanish, when they got there, they couldn't just rebuild everything. They had to build yeah. on top of what was already there. Didn't you say that... You you could like when you went there you could see the sort of spanish that buildings on top and you could tell it just wasn't as good yeah yeah exactly so so all of these perfect stones and then they almost try and do it on it but it just looks like a, a like a like a child's version of yeah, it on top yeah, to yeah. kind of keep it in keeping it you see that in egypt as well like the later egyptian civilizations obviously try to build pyramids or in some cases built pyramids on top of pre-existing pyramids that had deteriorated mm. and it's like you can see it's almost like a line in the sand of like really really good yeah not so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah crazy. you know so how did the Kalik or Incan people do it nobody is really sure researchers have been throwing out all sorts of theories for years the most popular theory lol is that aliens <laughs> somehow came down and gave the Inca lol. the technology to create Sacsayhuaman Unless you're a conspiracy theorist, this really doesn't um, hold water. I think it's just too easy, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it could be. Who knows? But like, knows? you know, um, it's it screams to me pre-civilization that we don't know much about. Yeah, I was going to say mm. what I think more is it goes into Graham Hancock and um, yeah. and um, Big Beardy. Uh, Randall Carlson. Randall Carlson's mm. theory is more of um, that society was, or, you know, ancient civilization was probably more advanced than we realize and that maybe there was some sort of cataclysm doesn't need to be like you know as big as say like the k2 extinction obviously which wiped out the dinosaurs but some sort of event whether it was a meteor impact or something like that um, we, great yeah flood. we know that there was an ice age about eleven thousand years ago mm. and traditional history tells us that it was sort of at the end of the ice age that we started becoming advanced but what if we were more advanced before that we know that homo sapiens first evolved about 200,000 years ago. That's a lot, a lot of time. 190,000 years, which is basically like left unaccounted for. And basically if you if you dropped one of us, or like if 150,000 years ago, like the computational thing of the brain, is that correct as well? So yeah, so a brain of a of a homo sapien a thousand years ago would be no different than the brain of a homo sapien now. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, or even further back than that. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, so why would, it's almost like assuming that for so long homo sapiens were just sitting around sort of just being mm, um, yeah <laughs> which is obviously just weird to, weird to um to think in a way because if you've got a big enough brain it's not going to take you 190,000 years to start picking stuff up mm. is it like literally and we'll just look at how fast we've evolved yeah like yeah man like That's our it. lives have evolved oh, so right, yeah. so fast technologically like even even in the past like when me and Drew were little years. kids, there was only four TV channels. Mm. Yeah. No internet. No. It wasn't nobody. Even an idea of a phone. I remember my yeah, dad had a mo phones, mo yeah. Motorola brick that was like massive. Yeah. Mm. And that's just in our lifetime. Do you know what yeah. I mean? We're only thirty-two. Yeah. yeah. 
You know? So imagine them just not innovating for 200,000 years. Well, that yeah, almost 100, seems 190, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Close that enough. just seems like unbelievable, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, so I think there's, I mean, the more, I remember when I first heard that theory, like a long time ago, my very first reaction was like, probably not very likely. But then obviously, once I looked, the more I heard about it, the more I looked into it, I was like, do you know what? I went from thinking like, probably unlikely to actually very, very likely, mm. to now I actually think, yeah, like, I think it's really plausible. Yeah. And there's so many m ancient mysteries that just sort of point to that. Mm. As I said, whether it's these Incan civilizations, whether it's the Egyptian civilizations, yeah. all of this, all of these ancient mysteries, it makes me think, yeah, you know, it's and, and as time is going on and archaeologists are finding more things which just battle, battle, which, yeah, which battle seems, this historical. It's like traditionally it was timeline. like the ancient Egyptians were like that when when big sort of impressive structures started. Well, it's quite insane to think that people went from hunter-gatherers to essentially building great pyramids overnight. Mm. Um, and also, as I said, the Egyptians themselves told um, Socrates... Sorry, I think I said earlier on it was Hippocrates. It was Socrates. It sounds so similar, doesn't it? <laughs> Socrates, um, that it was built to a civilization mm. to the West. That's what they had in their sort of history, in their oral history that was passed down yeah. from generation to generation. So... And it's that almost like the Egyptians, um, like, timeline as well. Like, they devolved technologically. Like, yeah. they were almost better at the start. Yeah. Yeah. And then they devolved. It's like they devolve, and then it gets to about sort of um, the the Renaissance period in Europe. Um, well, not in all cases. Obviously, Rome was very advanced, and so was ancient Greece. But then it's like, it, at least from how we think of things, where we are in Europe, then it's it's only really around the Renaissance period that we start to really pick up technologically. Hmm. So yeah, interesting. Yeah, so other people have suggested that um, the ancients had atomic wars which fused their forts together to form the vitrified surface that we see today. So mm. they could almost mm. um, harness like nuclear-like fusion. Yeah. Um, however, none of the sites we have today in Peru or Scotland or anywhere else where the, uh, the stonework is vitrified have any evidence to support this theory. The sites are not radioactive and the chemical testing doesn't match up. So yeah, I mean like the half-life of radiation is like yeah. thousands of years, like so you'd still see remnants mm. of it, but you don't. Others have thought that perhaps the stone was cut and moved, but then was fused together because of a forest fire or an intense battle. Many researchers have tried to prove this is possible on test walls but have failed. Um, another outlandish theory suggests uh, that the Inca used a series of complex mirrors and lenses to harness the sun's rays to create enough heat to melt the stone. But this seems highly overcomplicated and unlikely. Mm. That's um, quite a cool theory. Unlikely. I like unlikely. <laughs> unlikely. Unlikely, likely. Yeah, I mean, it's a cool theory, but surely you would like have to have such so an powerful. insane magnifying yeah. glass. And you'd almost need to put like glass on glass on glass on glass on glass yeah, to, like, yeah, to, like, to enhance it. That yeah. reminds me of another theory. I can't remember. What, I think this was also the Greek civilization. There's, um,. Like the, in some document somewhere, there's like a drawing of what looks like, um, I believe it's Greeks using like a, ma a massive magnifying glass. Mm. So, about, I don't know, roughly, I guess, like six foot by six foot. And burning, sh attacking ships from like a cliff with this high powered, mm. you know, like set setting fire to the sails. Like a laser using beam. It. That's crazy. But historians don't know whether the the document that the drawings are from is like fanciful or mm, if it's actually yeah. like historical an accurate unless, historical unless account. they like try to recreate they it. have tried you know oh, yeah. what was it called there was that program and it was like Mythbusters they, that's it yeah they tried it on Mythbusters and I think they did manage to achieve it but they basically said 
that it would be like pretty rubbish in terms of it had to be on the material so they put like a little ship like a raft out to sea and they did it mm. but it took like so long they were saying realistically if you were trying to like fight off an invasion with it yeah. it'd be pretty rubbish yeah mm. yeah so um Anyway. I do. do in, for some reason, that almost seems more believable to me than the forest fire there. Because think how hot a thousand one hundred degrees is for it to just get that from like a nearby forest fire. Yeah, I think what yeah. most oven, most ovens go up to like two hundred forty. Yeah, I think mm. degrees. Which think that's like so hot. Yeah, like think about like, like your oven when it's at like its highest temperature. Yeah, and like kilns, like there. My mum's got a kiln, oh. and she, you know, and yeah. they, they, that goes up <laughs> over a thousand degrees. Wow, but it's just I didn't insane. know they went that hot. Yeah, mm. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, I'll have to double check. I watched a movie I think recently. It goes over a thousand degrees. Yeah, that's, that's cool. Man. I watched a movie recently, and like it was about a serial killer who um, disposed of his bodies in a kiln. Mm. He made out he was like a potter, but he wasn't even a potter. He mm. just had what looked like a pottery workshop with loads of pots all on the walls. But really, he was just like this um, killer, and he was Furnace. and he would just put every single you know their clothes, their ID, their yeah, words, and because it just grinds everything to ash, and then he would just flush their ashes down the toilet. Whoa, crazy! But it makes sense now if it goes over a thousand degrees, like nothing's gonna survive that. Yeah, heat. yeah, no odor or anything. No, nothing. Not even like any substance that would be possibly incriminating. <laughs> mm. So yeah, they think this is unlikely with the with the big uh, glass kind um, of magnifying magnifying glass. glass. Um, if they had such a system, wouldn't they have written about it somewhere? It mm. seems like it would be a huge scientific achievement worth writing down for, for prosperity. I just think as well, as I said, the glass would have to be so so thick mm. to, to reach a thousand degrees. But yeah. how thick would you need that glass? Yeah. Is, that, is that how it works? The like thicker it is, the hotter it would get. Yes, because it's yeah. more magnified, isn't it? The thicker mm. the glass is, the more magnified. Right, it is. right, right. So scribing, so this is a this is a theory that's more plausible. Um, the only plausible theory that um, has been submitted was developed by a man named John McCauley. He's a retired architect and construction manager and had researched ancient construction techniques for over 40 years. His hypothesis is centered around the wisdom and ingenuity of the Inca and other ancient people. His theory states that the Inca probably used a system called scribing or, ba or basically template making to create the interlocking system of megalithic zones that we see at Sacsayhuaman. He believes that the Inca moved the huge pieces of rock up to the site and carved and polished them right there on the hill. In order to create stones that fit so perfectly together, they would um, carefully measure the space they need and create a wooden template. Um, this template would then be applied to another stone that sort of fit the shape and the stone would be shaped and polished to match the template. Of course, this means that the Inca would um, have to be extremely accurate stonemasons. We know that they possessed a lot of knowledge of mathematics and science and that they were very accurate at stone carving. Still, this theory seems almost a little too far-fetched. The stones at Sacsayhuaman are huge. The precision needed to create a wall with no mortar where you can't even slip a piece of paper in between the cracks at any point, even with templates, chiseling and polishing would have been extremely difficult and taken an inordinate amount of time. The other problem with this theory is that the stone has been vitrified. Even with the cutting and polishing, the builders still would have had to fit these huge megalithic stones in an equally megalithic furnace and, vi and vitrify them at temperatures around 1,100 1, degrees. This, of course, would have messed with, uh, w messed with the precise carving. And 
uh, because I suppose they would change a little bit when they're heated up like that if they become vitrified. A bit squidgy. Yeah. And if the stones had been carved after being vitrified and polished, then they um, then we would see obvious tool marks on the stone where the glass-like surface was cut away. Still. It's the best theory ha we have so far. It's crazy that that is literally the best theory mm -hmm. that like all science and everything has for, for how they did it. <laughs> um, uh, and it is the only one that doesn't sound like wacky conspiracy too. Does that make it correct? Not at all. In all likelihood, we'll never know how fortresses like Saxiwaman were constructed. There simply isn't enough evidence to know. The one thing we have to remember when we're looking at the incredible structures like Stonehenge or Saxiwaman or the pyramids is that the ancients were not just cavemen. They were not any more or less intelligent than we are. They were human just like us and incredibly ingenious and resourceful, uh, enough so that they create huge feats of engineering with primitive technology that we, with all of our computers and microchips and science are still struggling to understand. Mm. I think that's like, you know that saying, like, um, everything is in the eye of the beholder. I think it's, um, like, from our point of view, we see intelligence and, like, sophistication as, like, iPads, internet, mm. speaking to somebody over the phone, whereas there's, there's, there's more ways to... To, there's more more ways than one to skin a cat, so to speak. So, like, they might have had a completely different idea, or they would have had a completely different idea of what being an advanced civilization would be. Because I said, yeah. it's all in the eye of the beholder, and you only know what you know. To us, this is being advanced. Yeah. Mm. To them, that was being advanced. You know, they might not have had the things, the, the skills that we had, but we obviously don't have. Theirs. We clearly don't <laughs> have that, those yeah, skills as well. Yeah. And, and like, some would say that it's more advanced to think of leaving a legacy that stands the test of time compared mm. to the things mm. that we have created, like technologically, like mm. with phones and all of that. If you turn the internet off, or the, or, you know, that stuff can just be lost and. To, yeah. you know but but those that's thousands of years ago and they're mm. still standing through all the earthquakes through all the different changes in the world they're still just there like making us like what the hell is that yeah it's almost like um it's almost like as architecture has advanced through the ages it's become way more um the focus has been on like quantity over quality mm, whereas totally. if you think like a thousand years ago even more so two thousand years ago even and more so three thousand years ago there would have been way less buildings on the planet but the ones that were erected were way more um mm. just way more impressive way more mm. time and effort went into it whereas you see nowadays a new housing estate's built you know most fully grown men could freaking put their hands through the walls you know you can hear your neighbor through the walls you know, i mean it's, it's not that qu same quality you mm. hear about you know the electricians rush the electrics and then sometimes you can buy like a brand new house and the electrics are already like weird yeah. or the plumbing's all, all askew you know whereas if you look at like i think that's one of the reasons why it's really nice to you go to look at a nice cathedral or something mm. you appreciate the art behind it and you know the effort that was put into it this was like a building that took maybe hundreds of years just to build mm. from thousands of different builders and and artisans you know and it's like a work of art as well as just a building achievement it's not mm. just right we'll get the brickies in and then we'll get some plasters in and then we'll get some electric just quick 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 because we're on a deadline you know what mm. i mean got to get this house and estate done so that more people can move in and it's almost like a bit sad in a way. Yeah, man. Do you know what I mean? I think that's why people appreciate, you know, if you want, and like a really nice house, you're not necessarily like gonna buy a new one. Yeah, <laughs> unless you're unless you're like super rich and you and you can build it yourself maybe and make sure that so the specification. Yeah, and, and you can yeah. make sure that that quality is going to be put into it. Really, if you buy like a two or three hundred year old house, it's probably going to be better, or at least the, yeah. the, the, or at least the, the bones of the house mm. are going to be better than a house that was built ten years ago.
Yeah, and they look so quirky and cool anyway. Like you look at yeah. the old pubs and everything. It's yeah. just amazing. Yeah. It's so much more interesting to see that yeah. than just <laughs> a flat white wall, you know? Yeah, super sturdy beams yeah. and brick, like mm. thick stone yeah. walls and everything. Another, another, uh, and another part of Peru as well, something that really impressed me when I was over there was in Nazca, which is one of the driest parts of Peru. It just looks like really. Like Isn't that where the lines are? Those mental yeah, artworks, yeah, the Nazca got the lines. massive Nazca lines, which That's are crazy, like you can only see from they're the sky. They're a mystery as well, aren't they? What, they're what a mystery. Are they? um, so they're drawings, shapes, they're shapes and drawings of different. Uh, there's like one. So there's one that looks like a spacesuit. One that looks, looks like, like a bird. Like, one that's like yeah, bird. Like loads of different stuff. But basically, on the on the kind of flat plains of the land. They they've carved or somehow like just taken away the top layer of the rock. Um, so it's so like white underneath. Yeah. So the top layer looks black. But they've done it in a way that they know that even with the wind, they aren't gonna. It's not gonna go. And I can't remember. There was some chemical process or something, mm. something to do with that rock there. Uh-huh. That some means sort of like that acidic property or something. Yeah, they, they, it can't be blown away. But yeah. all it is is, is like. They're essentially massive drawings. At first, when people just walked the land for like, until we had planes, people just thought that they were random lines in the, in the sand. Yeah. Mm. With but when sand. It's not sand. Enough, mm. But when people, st- when obviously planes were invented, people were like, oh, they realized that they were massive drawings yeah. essentially. But then the whole idea is, is that A, they're super accurate drawings and, and B, it's almost like, what they think that what the, it was, was that ancient civilizations were almost like making symbols to show to the gods. That's and what, that's also what the theory, well, right. one of the One of the guys right. that was there um, who was like taking us on the tour, he also said that it was like pre-Incan civilizations and they were, each of the there was one that was like a monkey mm. and it was like pointed that way towards the jungle of like um, oh, that's cool. uh, do you oh, know what I mean so he was yeah, saying yeah, that yeah. They, I were didn't almost, know that, yeah. they were almost representing different peoples of the of continent the of geography oh, yeah, that's and, cool and it was almost like maps to where they are mm. and, that's and so stuff. cool if you want to see monkeys was, go yeah, that way yeah, yeah, if you want to yeah, see a yeah. bird mate look up yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's it like the condor and stuff up in the ah, Canyon mysterious condor yeah that's so cool biggest land bird in the world now is it? Yeah, condor. Condor. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I, I think it's got the I biggest it was, wingspan. I thought it was the albatross. Oh, it's the, it's oh it might be the second then. Yeah. Huh? Oh, yeah, land bird, I said, yeah. Yeah, oh, land yeah, bird. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. So is it condor actually... Oh, so is the albatross the biggest overall, but the condor's the biggest land bird? I think so. I'm going to quickly look it up. Yeah. Mm. And just uh, while you're doing that, one of the other things that really impressed me about Nazca is, because um, like I was saying, it's so dry there. Mm. Um, you know, water. We all need water to yeah, survive yeah. and everything. Um, there's these ancient aqueducts that are still used in Nazca today that basically tap into all of the underground rivers that, that you've got mm. lots of water in Nazca, but it's all underground. It's all mm. in these like underground like like rivers. They've created aqueducts that that basically provide water to the different towns and cities across Nazca, like the, the, the area, and they still use them today. And it's pure free water that That's is so just cool. like you know pure from the from the depths of the mountains in the Andes it comes down mm. from, and um, it's just it's it's really cool how they knew they how, how did they know where those underground rivers yeah, were? How did yeah. they know how to make aqueducts and to feed all of their yeah, people man. like that? Yeah. You know? and for free. You know, yeah. it's just yeah. like okay, we yes. need this to survive. Like, well, I think it's like so amazing when you think the fact the fact that like the Romans. I mean, obviously that's that's two thousand years ago, so not as ancient as, as what we're talking about now. But even the fact that they had just like under underfloor heating, yeah, mm. and and hot 
hot taps. Yeah. Like, I, I, even that, I just think it's crazy. I think we have this idea of Not like... Not done with electricity. <laughs> we, know, we know that obviously Rome had impressive architecture because you can go there today and still see the remnants of the Colosseum and all that. But just the idea that you could just be, oh, like on like a cold night, like, oh, you're, to- you're just barefoot. Oh, man, mm. toes are nice and toasty. Because <laughs> mm. even today, if you walk into like a place, like if you stay in a place that's got underfloor heating, like I'm a bit like, oh, it's just swanky. Yeah. Because mm. yeah, yeah, most yeah. places mm. don't, do they? And um, by the way, yeah, so the it's very close. The Andean condor has a maximum mass of 14.9 kilograms. The wandering albatross, 16.1. So the wandering albatross is a bit bigger, but I guess, yeah. What about wingspan-wise? Wingspan, um, it says that in total length centimetres, wandering albatross is 107 to 135. Condor is 100 to 130. Mm. So, yeah, mm. again. Both yeah. pretty big. Yes. I think it's so easy to forget nowadays as well. Uh, like how knowledgeable they would have been. Mm. Like we, if I look at what we do nowadays, for example, uh, this is just an al- analogy, analogy, uh, analogy of um, of how easily we just forget things nowadays. You look at sports, for example, uh, a player could have a, a really good season, but they have one bad game, and every all that everyone will remember is that one bad game. Mm. But I think looking back now. Uh, we've almost forgotten just how advanced they might have been. Mm. But like you were saying, we need well, to really like actually look back and go, this is actually pretty mental. When all you think these about things it. are like testament to that, you know? Like yeah, these, exactly. These kind of uh, forgotten technologies. Because they still don't know how they did that with the aqueducts and stuff, mm. and stuff as well. They're just, they just somehow know how to do it. But I'll just, um, so the last bit then, like on um, Saxi Huaman, uh, is about kind of uh, the rocks and the kind of properties of how they're, they're laid out and stuff. So on the esplanade at the top of the monument, rocks have been identified which appear to be ancient foundations characteristic of polygon-shaped geometric planes. No one has come up with a definitive answer as to um, the meaning of these enigmatic ruins, um, ruins, not ruins, or um, what these foundations rested on. It is believed that what remains visible today represents only 30% of all that had been once erected in Saxihuaman. Indeed, centuries of plunder have left the fortress. No pun intended. (laughs) (laughs) Have left the fortress with only what could um, not be taken away, the stones. So yeah, it's it's like like the Spanish thing. They they, uh, could only knock down so much Mm. and take so much. Mm. The complex is in perfect alignment with the four cardinal points and the intersecting walls uh, with the three circles at the top are an ideal orientation for determining the winter and summer solstices. This leads to speculation that the Saxe-Huaman fortress was really an astronomical observatory. Um, how were the Incas, or perhaps the pre-Incan Calique people, capable of achieving work of such significance? That's like Stonehenge, Could, isn't it? Mm, exactly mm. the same Stonehenge. Could it all point back to an ancient past about, uh, about which we know nothing? There seemed to be such an emphasis on buildings and astronomy back yeah. in the or seasons. Astronomy so, so, yeah. seasons, like just yeah, like hats off to the way the yeah, sun summer moves. solstice, winter solstice, and yeah. stars essentially. Yeah. Mm. Um, another mystery of Saxihuaman is its underground tunnels, known as shinkanas. Uh, built by the ancient civilization, we know not the tunnel's purpose. Uh, we know not of the tunnel's purpose. There are old documents that mention the tunnels of Saxihuaman as lo- as large underground labyrinths. Some people believe that they connect Saxihuaman to um, with other cities. There are even legends about them leading to underground chambers with unimaginable treasures. Um, that is why many people went to explore inside of them, but oftentimes never came back. For this reason, Indiana Jones style. Yeah, mm. man. For that reason, the entrance to most tunnels get closed since have been closed since the 1920s. 
except for a short uh, one called Shikana Shika, uh, which connects to two known areas of the ancient citadel. So a lot of them have just been closed off, so we don't know anything about all the underground Whoa. labyrinths under there and stuff as well, which is like pretty mad. That's so cool. That's so cool. Yeah. Cool. So that, that, was a, that was that. That was an interesting mystery, man. Yeah, man. Awesome. I, lo- I love Peru. Any <laughs> any takeaway thoughts, Henry? Um, I don't know. It de- <coughs> definitely does sound like a mystery. I, mean, I can't, yeah. mm. can't think of any solutions. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one of the intriguing things, isn't it? I'll say most of the mysteries that we talk about, is, there's not really any way of coming to a an, an answer. Yeah. That's what makes it so fascinating, isn't it? Mm. All right, so let's wrap up the show then, guys. This has been the first Mystery Mondays on DAB on Asmite Radio. Hope you've enjoyed it, everybody. We will be back next Monday with another fascinating mystery. We're going to be getting pretty dark and gruesome <gasps> on the lead-up to Halloween, of course. Oh, my. So, yeah, have a good evening, everyone. Thanks for chilling with us. We'll be back next time. Ta-ta for now. Goodbye. Ta-ta for now. Adios. Mm-hmm. Nice.